stress, suffering, harming, unsatisfactoriness, those things we all know in our life for ourselves. And we know that in general terms, those are the result of greed, anger, various forms of delusions, beliefs that we hold on to that are inaccurate. And our practice encourages and reminds us that there is a way, an end to this. And an end to this we call being at peace, we call being at rest, now being at peace we sometimes think is something difficult, something we have to create. But really, being at peace is what is our life, is our life when we cease to do what causes, what results in. Anger, greed, suffering, harming, stress, unsatisfactoriness. And the Buddha himself gave us some very simple ways to be at peace, to be able to be silent and still in the midst of the circumstances of our life, to be able to be satisfied, blissful, to feel the refuge of the present moment, to be sheltered, so to speak, from the harming, suffering, stress. And the way, he says, is simple. If I were to articulate it, it's not holding on to grieving or anger about the past. Of course, that's only two of the many ways we could hold on to thoughts, emotions, 
regrets about the past and not grasping, fretting, fearing, planning about the future. That enables us to be, to appreciate, to experience the peace that is our life right now in the midst of this ongoing changing. Releasing past anger, past grieving, past regrets, past stories. It's not that they don't arise, but it's up to us when they do arise to be able to release our grasping of them because they poke us and if we take the bait, so to speak, of rummaging in regrets about the past, fears about the future, fantasies about the future, projections of worst-case scenarios, then we're guaranteed to not be at peace, guaranteed to suffer, guaranteed almost to do harming to ourselves and others. It's just simple cause and effect, just by releasing that guarantees, at least in this earth that we live on, that it's going to fall. And if it falls on something hard, like this wooden floor, makes noise. In the same way, our grieving or anger or regrets or depression or the other various forms of thinking about and feeling about the past, when those arise, if we hold on to them, will cause trouble. And the same fears, planning, fretting, grasping about having a certain future rather than another future causes troubles. This doesn't mean there's any problem with making an appointment today for tomorrow, making an arrangement today so that your taxes get paid on April 15th or whenever. However, that's very different than what we're talking about, what I'm talking about. Getting caught up about justifications and suppositions of what could have been, should have been, even if they're 100% accurate, everything is changing. Everything is changing, and we live in an ongoing changing. So as soon as we grab on to the justifications and suppositions, we're making trouble. Now, someone could say, well, the Buddha didn't live in the kind of world we did, where I had so-and-so who did such-and-such against me, and who hated me, and who, uh, and if I didn't 
plan than they would have gotten. So, I should say, for those of you who don't know much about the life of the Buddha, first, the Buddha lived in a world, on one hand, where he was fairly well off in his society, and even after he left and began practice, once he accomplished, he became Buddha, if I use that word, he still continued to have students and disciples who lived in a world where there was all sorts of turmoil. You might know, or you might not know, that the Buddha himself was subject to quite a number of assassination attempts, even from a close cousin. You might know that the Buddha, among his early disciples, were various princes and kings, some of whom suffered all sorts of political violence, wars, that they would occasionally consult the Buddha on one way or the other, and he sometimes had something to say, but nevertheless, sometimes they had outcomes that we would think of as worse than what could have been or should have been. Nevertheless, practice was all in the midst of that. One of the kings who was a very early disciple of the Buddha actually encountered the Buddha before he even was awakened before he was the Buddha when he was just a practitioner and had asked the Buddha after when you accomplish please come and see me so this was someone who was you could say one of his chief disciples King Bimbasara Um, at some point he was killed Killed First he was overthrown, and then he was killed. And he was overthrown by his own son, Ajatasara. And then not only did his son overthrow him, but his son eventually killed him. Not a, so you've got patricide, regicide, and... Not only that, but the son assisted one of the Buddha's cousins who tried to kill the Buddha, who tried several times to kill the Buddha. Wasn't successful, but attempted assassinations. And after those, that cousin who was a long time, what should I say, I mean, he had a long connection with the Buddha. He grew up with the Buddha, or he grew up, I should say, with um, Siddhartha. 
And then after the Buddha founded his order, he, um, at some point after his various unsuccessful assassination attempts, then went and joined the order of disciples of the Buddha and caused a schism, um, so to speak, almost a civil war among the disciples and pulled, convinced disciples to leave the Buddha. And then he continued to attempt to harm the Buddha till eventually, well, before I get to eventually, I should say, and the Buddha forgave him time and again. Didn't dwell on past anger or grieving. And even after he caused the schism and caused many disciples of the Buddha to leave and join him, he still attempted violence against the Buddhas and finally died in, it said, in a further attempted violence. And Prince later King Ajatasaru, who, as I said, committed regicide, patricide, assisted in attempted suicide, uh, not suicide, um, in attempted assassinations at some point, changed, became a disciple of the Buddha, and the Buddha accepted him and was quite close to him. In fact, he was probably one of the ones that the Buddha was closest to in the latter portion of his life. And he, after the Buddha died, he was one of those who, one of the eight who received um, portions of the Buddha's ashes to create a, and went and created a stupa of where that was. So, when I say the Buddha talks about being peace in terms of releasing past anger, past grieving, past regrets, he's talking to these people, both to his disciples, but also to the most ordinary people, whether it's a peasant, someone who he begs from, whether it's an outcast who he accepts into his uh, fellowship, even though even though people complained, and they said, you don't, shouldn't accept an outcast. No. But in order to be peace, he emphasizes being here, being now, being just this moment being just this moment. And it's not that we have to create being just this moment, but we need to notice when our thoughts and feelings get entangled in past or future. And the specific forms that they, ways that we become entangled in that 
are for us to become familiar, our specific forms. So even if I use words grieving or anger or regrets, those are just three of the many flavors of how we look at the past and hold on to it, entangle in it physically, emotionally. And the same with the future. And the same with the future, whether it's the future of someone who lives with us, the future of someone at a distance, the future of someone who's a relative, the future of some of politics future, world future. Doesn't matter. This doesn't mean we don't do things. But if we fret and fear and fantasize and project about the future, that will be guaranteed to disturb peace disturb and create suffering and harming and stress, unsatisfactoriness in our life. So practice is very simple. If you want to say it's being generous, being a generosity towards ourselves and to all we meet, so that so-called past and so-called future are released so that we can be in tune as this present moment that we are. We can be this universe that we are. That we can be intimate with those we encounter whether it's people inside, outside, thoughts, feelings, memories, fantasies. I mentioned some of the Buddha's, call it, um, disciples of who were politically involved. But also I should say that he had a number of disciples who were kings who lost in wars. Not only that, there was a war against his clan's people. Dushakya. And they were defeated and pretty much wiped out by another kingdom. He tried three times, it said, to stop the war by going in front of the warring warring army and standing there. And the princes who were leading that army or kings turned back three times. But after the third time, he decided not doable. This is going to happen. Despite his um, what should I say, counseling of the parties involved. So, whether it's turmoil in a small, immediate family, or turmoil in bigger groups, or even Wars and civil wars. Nevertheless, how do we be at peace 
in those circumstances, in our own circumstances, in our own fears, so that we can, on one hand, be here right this moment to do what's appropriate and skillful now and to release the entanglements, release what binds us and ties us into the suffering and harming. That's exactly what our practice is. That's exactly what our teaching is. So, in a way, that's always what we have to take care of. And clarifying that enables us to make good use of this session, make good use of this time together, make good use of this life together. To be able to attend to those, if we want to say, stressful, fearful, caught in self-centeredness forms, various forms of holding and attaching. So, this is good to start us, and I will stop here having said this, and we can maybe explore it and clarify it further so that we all can make good use of this time that we have, of this form that encourages us and nurtures and supports us in being at peace here and becoming familiar with the taste, the experience, the efforts that nurture our peace and therefore enable us to share it in our life and with all that we encounter. Okay, I'll stop now and see if you have anything you want to bring up. Um, If you need to move, please feel free to. Yes. Uh, How do you help others who are going through a lot of conflict? (sighs) The first thing is to be present with them. See, there's the presence, the generosity of giving your presence without adding and then seeing what and how can you nurture what's skillful and at least clarify what's unskillful if there's the opportunity, if they want it. What, because you ask in a general way, I can't say anything more than that generality. But it, the other part is you give the example of your own life by your being present by your being at peace as they're going through it, 
that's already giving peace, giving stillness. To the extent that we become entangled in it, then we have to see what's skillful to do. I can't say more than, than that generality for that. But there is a generosity where if we are present for others, that allows them to, if, if I say it in such a way, unburden themselves of holding to past regrets, unburden themselves of the fears uh, regarding the future, or at least to be able to share them with you. The world is guaranteed, because it's always changing, never to satisfy fully, when we, we can get what we want, and it, then it might cease. We can get what we don't want, and then we have that to deal with. We can lose what we want, or what we have, and then we have that to be. The circumstances of ongoing changing means, means just that. That's the other part of of our practice is to live in a world of ongoing changing, which means things are impermanent, or let's say it a different way, conditions are impermanent. So to develop the capacity to be at peace in the midst of the impermanence of conditions, or to at least notice the entanglements that occur in the midst of the impermanence changing. Because the entanglements is what causes the suffering, not the changing. It's when the changing is, is the way we want, we never complain, even though that's another kind of entanglement. But when it's the way we don't want, we've learned, oh, what I want is important, what I don't want is important because it create, it's what creates suffering. But we forget that holding on to what we want also creates suffering. So, you have to be more specific in order to be able to see what's... See, that's why our practice isn't... These words are just introductions. It's really the specific moment, moment, thought, feelings that we get caught up in and developing the capacity to open our clinging to it, open our holding to it. Just this breath, just this breath. Because that, even if we do that, let's say five seconds later, it arises again. We don't get rid of, but we simply more and more touch and live out of the peace that we are. Or, we could use all sorts of other words, the awakened, the state of... Well, I won't say anymore. Enough. Yes. 
I'm wondering about the women disciples of Buddha. Well, I can say a few things. I mean, we do know that at first he was reluctant, and then at some point he was convinced and he, uh, allowed, he had many women disciples. Started with his mother or stepmother, whichever way you wanted to find her, Ma Pashupati, and eventually included his wife and others, other family. So there was a large contingent of, and there's a, a large body of literature of verses that they've written. I don't, there are some good English translations off the top of my head. I don't remember anything more than that, but it's all, it's all available there. I was wondering if uh, when there was turmoil and, and people, groups breaking away from Buddha, I'm wondering, did the women stay? Or okay, I, I, should, I should make it clear. Um, actually, I should say two things. First, it's important to know that the Buddha had um, women lay disciples or lay and ordained um, bhikkhunis. That, yeah. So nuns who, who um, and that's two separate groups. But certainly uh, there were many, because he had, he was consulted by and had connections with people of all classes. So he had um, poor people and rich people, or people who were peasants and people who were nobility, men and women who were who took refuge in, in his teaching and practiced with them. And, and actually, this teaching about the be staying in the present, not going to the past, and not going to the future is something he started very simply with ordinary folks, with simple village folks. He said that, and he encouraged that. He says that's the way to, to be peace. That's the way to cease suffering. Um, so I don't know if you want... So he, there are certainly... Um, uh, let me call it this way, upper-class women who donated various um, monasteries or pieces of land that became monasteries and became nunneries. Um, and then there were those who ordained with him and uh, were his disciples and created all sorts of orders of people who practiced with him. Now, the Buddha, because he wandered around India... He, he had disciples who he met with a little bit, and then they went off and wandered, because that's what he encouraged them. He sent them out all over. He says, go practice in the forests, in the, uh, in the villages. Go wander. And if you meet people, if they request, if they're open to it, offer the, dar the teaching to them. The teaching of how to put an end to suffering, to stress. Um, the teaching is essential. It was very simple. I mean, it's very simple forms, whether it's about talking about 
being in the present or whether it's talking about stress and the origin of stress and the end to stress and the way to end whether it's in terms of um, uh, the Eightfold Path or, or other simple formulations five precepts of non-killing, non-stealing non-sexual um, misconduct and so on these were just simple forms that ordinary pe- I mean this thing about the past and the future is the most ordinary person can understand it because we all see have this habit of dwelling in the past or dwelling in the future but when we start becoming aware cognizant of when we're doing that cognizant of how we're doing it then we can release that we can release it skillfully in being breathing experiencing and if we can do that then the habit and perpetuation and reactiveness that that feeds that of itself passes away, of itself becomes releases, of itself disentangles, if I use that kind of word. So that didn't, I sort of wandered off from your... So just as I mentioned, there were... uh, disciples who were kings and disciples who were even the lowest, so-called lowest of low class in their societies, the outcasts. The same, this was true for men, this was true for women. Yeah. And there's a vast literature if you want to go look and we could talk about it if you want. There's several books in English that, that have uh, many poems written by some of these disciples. Well, I shouldn't say written. They probably were originally uh, recited and then at some point they've been written down. So, because at that, most of it is oral tradition. And we should know that even though this is all very simple and straightforward, this habit of past and future, it's not that that we can be aware of the past and we can plan for the future, but that we cling to them, that we fret, add emotional baggage to them, that we entangle in all sorts of fears, well, I suppose that's emotional and tang- uh, uh, baggage, that we are all subject to because we're human. Even some of the Buddha's disciples at the end of his life, when he was dying, started entangling in, oh, what are we going to do when you're gone, and etc. How are we ever going to manage So this is something where we as humans all can testify to for ourselves, And it just, you, I can say 
from the very beginning of my sitting. It's very easy to be sitting and all of a sudden to discover all sorts of past stories that pop up just out of the blue and can bring along with them regrets or fears or could-have, should-haves or all sorts of other things. They just pop up. That's part of the process of being humanly embodied, if I say it that way. The fact that they pop up isn't the problem. It's how we entangle in them, how we add on grieving or anger about them or regrets that creates the trouble. That's so relevant to me in the past few months since um, having experienced a loss. Um, I've really been just sitting with with the all the feelings around it, and I see how it's connected to fear of future loss mm-hmm. losses that I that I that I imagine, yeah. especially being a certain age, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and. And so, and, and so I'm, you know, it's just, it's very um, difficult to kind of um, wrap my, my mind around, obviously, it's obvious that everything changes and that things grow, appear and then disappear, and yet, uh-huh. and yet, and yet. Yes. And so, it, 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 it's just, sometimes it just is inconceivable, and, and it's just, um, I do not accept it. <laughs> yes. Even though there it is, it, because so there's so much pain attached to it. And that's our practice to how can I rest in I do not accept it, or it's terrible, it's going to be terrible. And you have to find what enables and supports you, whether it's breath, whether it's looking at it for a moment and saying not, it's not now, or other things like that, that it's nurture and support you to be here, as opposed to in the story and in the reactions to the story. Because we generate stories and then we generate reactions to the stories and we don't like the reactions to the stories, so we get more and... We, we do that. And we could do it about stories about the future, and we can do it about stories about the past. If only I had, and we could have, if only I had about five minutes ago, or about five weeks ago, or five years, or 50 years, or, or more. And, and we, we don't even see, once we're in that entangled fantasies, or fears, what we're doing. That's why as we sit, we get to become familiar with what is going on. More and more it becomes clear to us. And therefore it comes and we don't have to stay entangled in it. Because we have the, if I say it in in a provisional way, we have the tools, so to speak, to see it for what it is, to release it, to enable us to be the experiencing of it without the 
added turmoil that we can create. Okay. Thank you all.